0: All right, fellow fact-checkers, want to remind you to go check out our wonderful sponsor, Fox & Sons Coffee. Now, Steve got his start by drinking coffee with his dad on Saturday mornings, and he wanted to carry on that legacy by starting his own coffee company and having something to pass on to his sons that they can carry on. So go over to foxinsons.com and check out Fox & Sons Coffee. And if you use the promo code FCT for fact-check this, you get a 10% discount on any order of $20 or more. So please head over to Fox & Sons Coffee and get your day started off with a great, great cup of some incredible coffee. They've got the dark blend and a light blend, and they've even got decaf for those of you who get a little bit jittery. Uh, No one in my audience would ever get jittery. But head over to Fox & Sons Coffee, check them out. All right, let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This podcast. All right, Fact Check This podcast. And today, well, for the next two episodes, actually, here closing out the year, I'm going to be doing some slightly longer episodes. And both of these stories, uh, the first one is a story and the next one is a series of tweets as well as some other information and research and stuff like that. Uh, both of them are sad in their own ways, but this first one is actually a—it's a story. It's—it's it's telling a guy's story, and it is incredibly sad. And I'm gonna have a lot of commentary when it's when it's over. But we're just gonna jump right into it. And we're gonna we're gonna read through the story itself, and then when it's done, then then I'll kind of give my commentary and talk about it. Right, let's uh, let's just jump right in, and we'll we'll read the story itself. Michael's choice. After a lifetime of trauma, Michael Frazier found himself housebound by pain, poverty, and incurable disease. Canada's loosened rules for medical assistance in dying presented him a choice. This is from November 10th of 2022. And this is something that has become more prevalent. We've talked about it on on the morning after a little bit. Um, And like I said, I've got got more commentary and and thoughts on it that I'm going to get into once we once we wrap up the story itself here. After a life lived in pain, Michael Frazier counted the days to his death. No longer able to walk on his own, the 55-year-old had become trapped inside his cramped one-bedroom Toronto apartment. He hadn't visited his friends at the church where he volunteered as a handyman before his health deteriorated and the falls became more frequent. He hadn't stopped by the nearby pub where he'd sip Pabst Blue Ribbon, paid for with what little money he had left after spending most of his disability income support on rent. He had not gone outside in five weeks. Frazier stayed indoors where caregivers, during their daily sojourns, would help change his diapers and tend to his needs. His wife Anne provided comfort, both to his failing body and his mind, still scarred from an abusive childhood. Why should I continue on? Fraser asked, sitting inside his rented walk up, just a few steps from Forest Hill's mansions. My body is falling apart. I don't want to spend the next five or six years living like this. I'd rather die in my own bed than just die neglected, alone in a long-term care facility. Burdened with liver disease, regular fainting attacks, falls, incontinence, and an inability to walk, he qualified earlier this year to end his life under Canada's medical assistance in dying legislation. On July 2nd, surrounded by friends, families, and a reporter, Fraser lay in his bed and extended his arm to receive a fatal cocktail of drugs administered by his Toronto physician, Dr. Navendra Praswad. He was not terminal, but a constellation of factors. Intractable disease, poverty, childhood sexual trauma, mental health challenges, and the option of an assisted death made him question whether his life was one worth continuing to live. For Fraser, death was ultimately preferable. The same social safety net that failed him in life would enable him to die on his own terms. Last year, the federal government expanded eligibility to include Canadians who aren't actually dying, removing the requirement that applicants have a fatal or terminal condition that would make their natural death reasonably foreseeable. The controversial change has contributed to a jump in the number of can- Canadians ending their lives upon request, and Fraser was among them. Frasier, Fraser's longtime family doctor, has been grappling with his own role in his patient's death. Professional standards were met. It's legal, but I do feel guilty. I'm conflicted about it. Someone you know and care about is dead. As a doctor, there is doubt. Could I have done something differently to reduce the suffering? One of the reasons Persuad said he became a family doctor was a desire to serve vulnerable people like Fraser, level the playing field, and give them the same chances as everyone else. When I encounter a patient who has a very sad story like Michael's, I have a higher responsibility to do whatever is possible to help. For sure, it makes today harder to inject those lethal medications when you know everything he's been through. It just seems so unfair. Last year, 10,064 Canadians ended their lives through medical assistance, the highest ever total in the history of the program, and a third of all cases since the program started in 2016. In the weeks leading up to his final breath, Frazier shared with reporters the story of his life and his decision to end it. Born in Montreal in the late 1960s, Fraser was only three when his father died suddenly, leaving the family with one fewer caregiver and desperate financial need. By age six, his mother had remarried, introducing to the household a man who would go on to frequently abuse Frazier, both physically and sexually. He got drunk in the middle of the night and would drag me out of bed and do things to me, Fraser recalled. My brothers knew what was going on, but they turned their faces to the wall. He said his mother knew as well, but because Fraser was biologically the product of an affair between his father and another woman, she never considered him as one of her own. She never did anything to protect him from her husband's abuse, Frazier said. The most basic care was hard to come by. At times, unfed by those meant to attend to his needs, a young Fraser ate cat food. At age 10, he recalled he ate mysterious red be- berries off the bushes near his house, believing them to be poisonous. It would be the first of numerous attempts to end his life. I guess it's a good thing, but I'm really bad at suicide. When he was 11, his stepfather took him to a fishing camp with other adult men, where he was to be the entertainment. I had these grown men abusing me for four days, he said. Five decades later, he still grappled with the abuse and how it was allowed to happen. I wake up at night and the smell is so strong in my nostrils and the sweat and the alcohol and the tobacco of the other men. The system failed me as a kid and it didn't really take care of me. Frazier began drinking at a young age, starting with a swig of liquor as he helped clean up after a party his parents hosted in Montreal. He continued to drink frequently throughout his life to silence the haunting echoes of his stepfather's voice. It led to chronic liver problems. The voices are saying you don't belong here. You're a dirty little boy. You always have been, Frazier said. After a while, you start taking it to heart. Anne, Frazier's wife, said she could often tell when it struck him, even in his sleep. He starts shaking, she said. He jumps. I just know he's getting hit by something. I put my hand on his shoulder and say, I'm here. It's a dream. It's a nightmare. I got you. It happens all the time. Frazier's childhood abuse continued until he dropped out of school and left home at age 13. He found an apartment and worked in a warehouse loading Montreal Gazette newspapers into trucks each morning. By 15, still without a driver's license, he was promoted to a delivery driver carrying newspapers to depots across the city. In 1980, he moved to Thornhill, where he floated through low-wage warehouse and transportation jobs until he was admitted to hospital for his mental health struggles. What happened in 1995 is that everything that ends up inside me just explodes, he said. I just had been keeping it down for so long that I don't know what triggered it. He was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety, held in a hospital for three days, and then released into into Toronto's streets with no jacket or shoes in the dead of winter. The same day police found him walking up Yonge Street, teddy bear in hand, Frazier said he wanted to see the North Pole. He spent the next three months back in the hospital. To Frazier, it was an early lesson in how the healthcare system moves people in need through a cycle from desperation to temporary care and back. Through the health challenges, there was also poverty. Frazier lived much of his life on the Ontario Disability Support Program. At the end of his life, it provided $1,100 per month. His His rent ate up $974 of that for the same apartment where he lived for 25 years. With no elevator, the second floor unit imprisoned him in recent years as he could no longer walk without assistance. He was often trapped there, forced to stay inside for weeks at a time. He didn't have the money to afford a more accessible place. In the final weeks of Fraser's life, reporters met many of those encircling him during afternoon visits at his apartment. Each was wrestling, often, often visibly, with the murky questions raised by his choice. It's heartbreaking to me that the system let him down in a way that he felt there's no other option, said a Toronto paramedic who dropped into the apartment one afternoon to check on Fraser, part of a program that monitors patients who frequently rely on 911. I've gotten to know Michael well. He's just such a kind, positive guy. It's been very challenging to think this is the outcome. By July 2nd, the day Dr. Persuad came, came to the walk-up with the injection chemicals, Fraser had not been outside the apartment for more than a month. There were a number of factors that led to Michael's decision, and I think poverty was one of them. It's hard to disentangle them all, Persuad said. Sometimes poverty is pushing people into uh, to MAID, who can be helped by other supports. For sure, I think the fact that he had trouble paying his rent made it harder for him to be in this world. MAID is uh, it's the acronym for medically assisted, uh, medically assisted uh, death, basically in Canada. That's it's a it's a program. Like the MAID program is a thing that's becoming incredibly regular in Canada. Designed as a compassionate legal alternative for those facing life with intractable diseases, pain, and anguish, MAID's adoption in Canada has largely been celebrated as a humane and visionary public policy. To qualify candidates like Fraser must have an incurable and debilitating disease and have the application vetted and approved by two physicians. Agreeing to end the life of a patient remains intimidating, says Persuad. There is no central repository and no list of pharmacies that have the drugs needed for the procedure. So Persuad had to make numerous calls to find the pharmacy available to provide them for Fraser's death. One of the drugs needs to be refrigerated, so since Thursday it's been tucked away in my fridge, he said. The cloak and dagger aspect of it makes it feel illicit. Meanwhile, a growing chorus of critics, including the United Nations, is calling the application of the law a grim solution that provides suicide as a way to avoid falling through Canada's shredded social safety net. The UN Special Rapporteur on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, Catalina Devonza Aguilar, expressed extreme concern about made legislation in Canada concluding that there is no protocol in place to demonstrate that persons with disabilities deemed eligible for assistive dying have been provided with viable alternatives. During many visits to care facilities across the country, she said many people with disabilities told her they are being offered a choice between a nursing home or an assisted death. Last year, UN officials sent a formal letter to the Canadian government warning of human rights violations that could flow from expanding eligibility for assisted death to those who aren't dying. It is not beyond possibility that if offered an expanded right, as per Bill C-7, persons with disabilities may decide to end their lives because of broader social factors such as loneliness, social isolation, and a lack of access to quality social services, it reads. There is a grave concern that if assisted dying is made available to all persons with health conditions or impairments regardless of whether they are close to death a social assumption might follow or be subtly reinforced that it is better to be dead than to live with a disability in a written statement health canada said made legislation seeks to support autonomy and freedom of choice while rigorously protecting persons who may be vulnerable It is not intended as an option for those lacking adequate social supports, the statement reads. There is no evidence that a person would be assessed as eligible for MAID by two independent practitioners if the assessors had reason to believe that the person's grievous and irredeemable medical condition could be relieved on a a sustained basis by access to reasonable and available treatment and social services. It is not known how many assisted suicide seekers struggle with low incomes that hasten the decision to end their lives. Federal data shows about one in four Canadians with disability are living in poverty. The social supports designed to improve the lives of the sick and poor often fall short. Publicly funded, palliative care was only available to about one in six qualifying patients who died in Ontario and Alberta, a recent study found. In March 2023, eligibility expands to include those with mental illness as their sole underlying condition. With one in five Canadians experiencing mental health conditions, the upcoming change is sparking new warnings given the chronic underfunding of mental health services. In recent months, two members of the government's expert panel on medically assisted dying publicly resigned, citing a lack of safeguards to protected vulnerable people. Frazier made his decision to end his life over the past Christmas holidays, but the new year, he had built the courage to ask his wife to help. He said, it hurts so much, everything's falling apart. Can you help me end it? She remembered. I said to him, I can't do that. I'm your soulmate. The two met in 2003 at a Forest Hills church where Ann taught Sunday school, and Frazier volunteered as a handyman. It took seven years for Fraser to invite Anne on their first date and paint uh, to paint an office together. As the years came and went, Anne continued teaching and Fraser continued to work around the church, where Fraser would say he cleaned God's house. Fraser left an indelible mark on many of those he met. Reverend Steve Fetter, the minister at Forest Hills United Church, said that for Fraser, the thread through his time with the church was servanthood. A pride in being of help to those around him to take away what made life worse. I don't think it was just the dirt on the pews that disappeared, Fetter said. He showed me what the sanctuary was for. By 2020, Fraser's deteriorating health prevented him from his volunteer work at the church. In the fall of last year, Ann found Fraser lying in a pool of blood on the floor of their apartment. He had collapsed from a seizure and split his head open. Frazier's liver disease was causing fluid to pool in his legs and lower his blood pressure in his upper body and brain, Persuade said. Anne began having nightmares about what kind of pieces she might find him in after returning from work at the end of the day. I was already starting to get to the point where I said he's not safe at home alone, she said. I'd already had this conversation with coordinators, the doctors, social workers, like I don't know what to do. This didn't make the decision for the pair any easier, but both said with confidence that this is the right course of action for Fraser. Both said their faith helped them gradually find peace with that decision. God's not really good at giving directional points, she said, but it's not being stopped. So to me, that is the green light. A few weeks after after telling his wife of his plans, Fraser sat across from Persuad, his doctor of over 10 years, fielding questions on whether he was sure of his decision. The topic of assisted suicide first came up in late 2020, Persuad recalled. He talked about not wanting to be around, how much he was suffering, and how little he could do. He did talk about killing himself. There was a gradual process in which those conversations transitioned into talking about whether I could assist him. On this winter day in 2022, the two discussed the psycho- psychological assessment Fraser would have to undergo to meet the government requirements for made. After perswad's assessment, Fraser met with a second physician as well as a Toronto psychiatrist to disentangle the mental health issues from the physical, perswad said. The physicians concluded Frazier qualified for MAID based on his liver failure, physical decline, and the degree of suffering. But the stark economic realities undermining his mental health and quality of life were deeply woven into Fraser's reasoning, said perswad Some of the struggles he talked to me about was this feeling of not being worthy, that he was a burden on society, a feeling that he didn't belong. There's a social aspect to poverty, a hierarchy that affected his psyche. He told me that it did. Each day, home care workers visited Michael to check in, change his diapers and make him comfortable. A few days before Fraser's death, one caregiver who had been making the daily trips to him for several months paused as she prepared to leave him for the last time. There were tears in her eyes have a good life, Michael said to her, welling up in himself. She crossed the room and bent down to hug him. After nearly a minute, she rose, wiping her eyes before whispering goodnight, goodbye and closing the door behind her. On the appointed day, a small group of guests arrived around 2 p.m. Praswad was among the first, and he began to prepare. He pulled Frazier aside and asked him, not for the first time, are you certain this is what you want to do? And Frazier confirmed. Standing in one corner of the small living room was Dorothy Hollingsworth. She had met Frazier as an adult, but became a kind of adopted mother to him. You couldn't make up anything that would be as awful as the circumstances in which he grew up, and to have that kind of upbringing and yet turned into such a fine, kind, and thoughtful, reflective person who put everybody else ahead of themselves, she said in an interview. I'm going to miss my conversations with him and just having his presence and wit. Even in all the struggle in the last years, and especially the last year, that wit was evident. I really treasure him. Fetter sat directly in front of Fraser, remembering moments of friendship they shared throughout many years of community service at the church. Near the end of Fraser's life, the two spoke frequently about this day and what waited for him on the other side. A dozen times he said he didn't have his faith or he didn't know his faith was strong enough, Fetter said, his voice breaking. I hate the way that we make faith into a test. Faith is what we trust in. It gets us through. And he found that in his community, that believed in him when he didn't believe in himself. As the time approached for the procedure, Frazier announced that he would love to have one final beer, but there were none left in the apartment. A reporter volunteered to get one for him. Anne suggested the closest place was a pub down the street, one of her husband's favorite spots. Inside, the reporter asked the server if he could buy a single can of Pap's Blue Ribbon, Fraser's favorite brand of choice. The server, Jillian Viveros, grabbed one from the fridge and presented it. Is this for Michael, she asked. It is, the reporter said, pulling out his wallet to pay. Are you aware of what's happening? She nodded, her face softening. It's on the house. Weeks later, Vivero said it was a simple gesture of respect for the guy everyone in the neighborhood lovingly dubbed Church Mike. It was sad because he's someone you're going to miss, she said. He was a good person, but if it brought him peace and he was okay with his decision, who is anyone to say? Back at the apartment, Fraser cracked the beer. Two minutes, he said, looking at Persuad, who stood quietly by. I'm here for you whenever you're ready. After a moment, one last request. I think I'm going to have a cigarette and then we'll call it a day. As he puffed some last bits of housekeeping, we have a dozen eggs and some bacon and some peppers in the fridge, he told the assembled. You should take it with you so it doesn't go bad. Persuad prepared in the bedroom. Prior to this case, the 41 year old physician had performed only a handful of other assisted deaths. And while he believes in the relief it can bring to patients on dire need, Persuad is an ambivalent, participant in the process. I wouldn't describe myself as a supporter of MADE, he said. I'm a doctor who received a request from a, from a patient, and I fulfilled my obligation as a physician. It's a tension that he said remains widespread in the medical profession. The vast majority of doctors haven't done it and don't want to do it. I thought that I wouldn't do it when I was first approved. It's not that I objected to it, It's just not something I ever anticipated doing when I was training to be a doctor. But things change when a patient you've been caring for for years is suffering and tells you they want your help in dying. Out of principle, Praswad said he still does not bill OHIP for the procedure. It's an immense privilege to be able to help a person in that way. I don't feel worthy of it. Persuad disappeared into the bedroom while Frazier and the rest spoke in the living room. Shortly after 3 p.m., the apartment grew quiet. It seemed there was nothing left to say. "'I guess it's time,' Frazier said, laying the empty beer can down on the table beside him. "'I'm going to sleep. I hope there's something on the other side, but if there's not, then it's too late now.'" Inside his bedroom, Frazier lay next to his wife. At their bedside, Persuad asked one more time, "'Are you certain this is what you want to do?' The last affirmation came back. Praswad carefully injected the clear liquid into Michael's arm. The maid kit contains three separate medications, a sedative, a deeper anesthetic, and a third medication that either stops the heart or stops breathing. As Fraser's pulse and breathing slowed down, he fell into unconsciousness. Anne hugged him, weeping quietly. In a broken whisper, her voice repeated, I love you, I love you. Praswad monitored the ever-shallowing breaths. Michael Frazier died at 325, on July 2nd, 2022, Praswad walked to a quiet corner to call the provincial coroner. He had to report Fraser's death and arrange for the body to be picked up. Five years ago, he had a diagnosis of liver sclerosis, further declined two years ago, Praswad said in a staccato patter into his phone as he reported in Fraser's medical history. I was providing palliative care as his family physician. Anne emerged from the bedroom in tears. She was immediately encircled by hugs, the scrum of bodies shaking in unison amid deep breaths and tears. He's safe now, she said. He won't have to suffer anymore. That's all I can hope for. Like I said, hard, hard, sad article. The really, the really fucked up part about all of this is a few of the things that were mentioned for instance the doctor doesn't uh, the doctor doesn't bill uh, what they call it OHIP i believe is the the acronym it's um it's the like medical it's the medical health service effectively it's yeah OHIP So, the way this works is Canada has this beautiful universal health care, right? Except that anybody that lives in Canada can tell you that people who can afford to get their health care in the states come to the u s. to get health care. You don't get you don't actually use the health services that are provided by Canadian health care because they're useless and what is happening more and more frequently is that especially since it has been determined that you don't have to be terminal to be eligible for maid there's some um, incredible universal health care provided by uh, Canada's health insurance won't pay for your coverage they'll either pay or they won't pay for your treatments. They won't pay to help you get better. They'll either pay to stick you in a home and forget about you or they'll pay for you to kill yourself. And they don't even like they don't even pay the whole thing. They pay uh I think they pay like 85% or something. So like your your family or your estate is still responsible for the rest of your suicide. Like, how fucked up is that? you have to that your universal health care won't even pay hundred percent of your debt. How fucked up is that? And now they're extending this to the mentally ill when they openly admit that they don't do enough for the mentally ill as it is services and treatment is drastically less than what it needs to be and should be for the mentally ill. They already don't take care of these people. And now they're going to make them eligible for assisted suicide. I saw I saw a post from somebody just not too long ago that they're seeing more and more advertisements on television in Canada encouraging people to look into assisted suicide, to look into mate If you have any of these ailments, any of these things that are wrong with you, talk to your doctor about medically assisted death instead of Talk to your doctor about treatment options that are available for you. Talk to your doctor about whether or not you're eligible for them to help you kill yourself. That's what it's come to. Like, when people talked about death panels, when they were trying to really push through Obamacare and try to create this like overarching universal basic health care, you know, universal health insurance. People talked about the fucking death panels and were laughed at and told that that was a conspiracy theory. And now Canada, the beacon of universal health care. That's the preferred treatment if you are under universal health care. If you are mentally ill, or just sick in that it would require long-term treatment that may never get better, or if you're just straight up fucking poor and you can't afford anything better, let us help you kill yourself. That's always the government's final solution. Let us put a fucking bullet in your head. Or at the very least, let us inject some shit into your arm. Sound familiar? How far are we from this coming to America? How far are we from the universal health care. Health insurance for all. You don't have to pay for any of it. The government will take care of you. Only the only way they're taking care of you is by helping to ensure that you're removed from being a problem, from being a burden on the on the health system. that's what this is that's what this is aimed at there won't be death panels they just won't give you a fucking option you'll be your own death panel because you will be so miserable you will be so in pain and you will be so fucking poor that the only way out is to let them fucking kill you anybody who pushes for universal healthcare should be shown this and should be shouted down the people of canada who allowed this to happen should be fucking ashamed i'm all for i, I mean don't get me wrong i'm all for like if you're at the end of your rope and you are Like, terminally ill, and it's, you know, there's no good outcome. There's no good, like, nothing good's coming of the rest of this. Like, I I get it, and I don't think that it should be illegal for a person to do what they think is necessary at the end of their life. But when the whole premise of this universal healthcare thing was built on, we're going to take care of people, we're going to take care of poor people. We're going to take care of those who couldn't get treatment otherwise. We're going to treat people and we're going to give them a better life and the better life that you're giving them is some three fucking chemicals in their arm to end shit. That's not that's not helping anything. That's not universal health care. It's universally removing the problem, reducing it by one over and over again till the only people left are the ones who can afford to pay for the coverage. Because at the end of the day, all these programs like this, they're classist and they're racist and they're demeaning. They're all the things that the left claims not to be, but the programs that they push are exclusively those things. And that's what's happening here. And that's what they want to happen here in the United States. People need to know what's going on in Canada. These made made is becoming the preferred treatment for every ailment that poor people have, that's their solution. Fucking appalling. That's all I got for today. The next one's not going to be a whole lot much, a uh, whole lot more fun, or but uh, it's going to have a lot of information. It's going to have a lot of stuff that hopefully also going to piss you off, stuff that people don't know. That's more medical field-related stuff. So be sure to tune in next time, and uh, in the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and share this shit with everybody. Like people need to know what's going on. That's this is what universal in uh, universal healthcare means. I keep I keep trying to say universal basic income too, which to a similar extent, universal basic income will, will result in similar outcomes as the universal healthcare. And people need to understand this. They need to know. So tune in next time. And in the meantime, get you some Fox and Sons coffee. Get you some uh, Paloma Verde CBD. And I will see you Wednesday. Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos Vanessa Ablar and Paloma Verde CBD. Get all of your CBD needs and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more. Plus, anything over $75 is free shipping. So, head over to palomaverdecbd.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week, everybody.